Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. So this podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Paleo Valley, and I wanted to tell you about their grass-fed organ complex, which is like a supercharged multivitamin that allows you to get a full spectrum of traditional superfoods loaded with nutrients into your body faster, easier, and without having to tolerate the taste or cooking for that matter. Grass-fed organ complex contains not one, but three organs from healthy, grass-fed, pasture-raised cows, so you are getting a more diverse array of nutrients. Most other similar products only contain one. It's usually liver, and it's spray-dried at high temperatures. The high temperatures damage the vital nutrients. You see, the ideal way to maintain the fragile nutrients and enzymes that are found in organ meats is to eat them raw. Again, most of us are not going to eat raw liver, so instead, Paleo Valley gently freeze-dries the organs in order to preserve as many of these nutrients as possible. You see, liver was coveted by our ancestors. When they killed an animal, they would go right for the liver or the heart first. Liver is considered the most nutrient-dense food on the planet. It's full of B vitamins, vitamin A, and minerals. You have heart. Again, heart was coveted as well. It's super rich in coenzyme Q10, which is so important for great energy and mental clarity. And then you also have the kidney that's in this organ complex, and that's very rich in selenium, which is great for the immune system. So when I think about the organ complex, I think about nutrients like B vitamins, B12, vitamin B2, vitamin A. You also have coenzyme Q10, you have selenium, zinc, copper. This is gonna really support your energy, your mental clarity, your immune system, as well as good, healthy skin. Guys, check it out. Go to paleovalley.com forward slash jockers and use the coupon code jockers for 15% off. Check this out today. Well, welcome back to the podcast. We've got another exciting Q&A. You guys ask such great questions and we pull these questions from uh, just questions that you guys are sending in to our website, to our email, info at drjockers.com. People are putting questions up on Facebook posts, on Instagram, on our website comments, on YouTube. I mean, we just get them from everywhere and we add them to a master list. So if you're asking us questions, it may end up on the master list and it may end up on one of these Q&As, but we love these as discussion points. We've got some great topics. We're going to talk about stress, adrenal health. We're going to talk about cortisol, DHEA. We're going to talk about sleep and people are having sleep issues. I know we've had several questions come in about that. So sleep hacks. We're going to talk about sauna, sauna usage. We had several questions about that as well. And uh, let's see, we had some questions about intermittent fasting, which which we normally get. And I appreciate all these great questions. We're going to, we have some questions about fat burning when you're trying to do all the right things, when you're doing HIIT, weight training intermittent fasting and you're still struggling, you're hitting that plateau. So a lot of really good stuff that we're going to cover in today's podcast. And with me, I have got a wonderful natural health uh, doctor and health coach, 
Dr. Yvonne. Um, I'm going to say your last name wrong again. I call her Dr. B. So Dr. <laughs> Yvonne. That is good. That's right. Dr. Yvonne Bajaude. That's right. And she is awesome. She works with people all over the world, virtually through our drjockers.com and obviously through Zoom or phone and uh, helps customize plans for people all over the world on a wide variety of different health conditions. You may have heard her. I've interviewed her on previous podcasts and we've also done Q and A's together as well. And you can reach her. Um, it's Dr. Yvonne at drjockers.com, correct? That's correct. That's right. So That's how are right. you doing today, Dr. Yvonne? I'm doing great, Dr. Jockers. I'm really excited for today. Like you mentioned, we have wonderful questions and I think everybody's going to benefit because, you know, a lot of these questions people have, it's just not one person, but are several people. Yeah. And I'm yeah. so happy that a few have asked this question so we can cover this topics. So yeah, are you sure. ready? I'm ready. Let's jump, jump in here. Awesome. We have a question from Anita on Instagram. It came through Instagram and she asked, would you recommend GABA or ashwagandha for stress relief? If so, best time to take and with or without food? Yeah, these are great questions. So GABA is a neurotransmitter in our brain. It's a calming neurotransmitter. It's like the brakes in the brain. So we have certain neurotransmitters that are excitatory that help us think sharply and quickly. And then we have GABA, which is kind of the main break of the brain. We have some other things like adenosine, which is what coffee blocks. And that's kind of the effect of coffee. It blocks adenosine, which is also kind of like a break. But GABA would be considered the main break in our brain, helps calm our, our thoughts. And so when people are not producing enough GABA, then oftentimes they'll have irritability, anxiety, restlessness, trouble sleeping, issues like that. And so you can certainly supplement with GABA, and we'll talk more about that. And there's also GABA agonists, meaning uh, different herbs and compounds that help to activate. They they basically um, activate the GABA receptor and have similar effects, right? So they they more or less improve your GABA levels, right, and your GABA response in your neurons to calm you to. Um, help you feel more at peace, more more uh, focused, right? If you've got uh, distractive thoughts or you know ADHD type hyperactivity, GABA helps calm that. Helps you focus throughout the day. Can help you sleep at night. So ashwagandha would be one of those types of things where it's a GABA agonist. There are a lot of other ones. Chamomile, you know, a lot of the kind of sleepy time teas, uh, the herbs that you find in those, valerian. Um, chamomile, lemongrass, passion flower, those types of things are all GABA agonists as well. They help calm the brain, help set you up for a really, really good night's sleep. Um, ashwagandha is probably the most well-studied herb when it comes to calming the stress response. There's a lot of a lot of really good studies they've done with ashwagandha, and it's got these really unique compounds, these within within alloids, right? So they're within alloids. And uh, they're steroidal lactone tertrapenoids and very unique compounds that, you know, like I said, in their steroidal, so they almost have like a, uh, you know, like a, they help boost your DHEA. It's been shown ashwagandha can help uh, boost DHEA, which is a precursor to um, producing regenerative kind of anabolic type of 
hormones, right? Can help support that, help bring down cortisol, help balance the stress response. And we call it an adaptogenic herb because it's more like a, like a, like a thermoregulator, right? So if, you know, in your, your house, if you've got your thermometer set for 70 degrees and it's hot outside, it's 80 degrees outside, right? It's going to turn on the air conditioning. If it's cold outside, you know, 40 degrees, it's going to turn on the heat. And so it's kind of like that with ashwagandha really helps balance and adapt your body to stress. So that's kind of the background for those two things. Uh, Dr. Yvonne, what's up? What's on your mind with this topic? Well, this is a real, really good question because there's someone asking about GABA and ashwagandha and they do have similar effects. And it GABA, like you said, is a calming neurotransmitter, helps people calm down. And ashwagandha does the same thing and it works through the same pathways. However, if we want to see which both of them will, of course, help with stress. And if you your uh, goal is to uh, adapt to stress, a better choice would be the herb, would be ashwagandha, for sure. And if your goal is to be more like if you have anxiety and you have trouble focusing, you know, a lot of times stress does not allow us to focus and we need something to calm us down. So GABA is excellent for that. So really you can play with both and they both help you with stress. They both help you with sleep. They both help you uh, relax. And like I said, you can tweak it around and see which one is best for the purpose that you wanted to, to help you with. And of course, you know, um, the other question is, should it be with food or without food? And, um, you know, I find that uh, GABA, you can take it um, anytime with food or without food. And ashwagandha is a little bit trickier. So it just depends on the person. And it, again, you would want to experiment. Now, one thing that I do want to uh, mention is that if you suffer from, say, an autoimmune condition, ashwagandha wouldn't be the thing to take. So I would go with GABA instead of ashawanda. You know, there's certain, you know, herbs and botanicals in general are wonderful, but there's sometimes they're more appropriate than others. And this is one of those times where it wouldn't be appropriate if you already have a um, uh, autoimmune condition. Yeah, ashwagandha is in the nightshade family, and there's about 24% of the population that has immune reactivity to nightshade. So that would be like tomatoes, potatoes, peppers. So it's in that family. So not across the board, like not everybody with autoimmunity reacts to that. In fact, some people with autoimmunity actually do really good with ashwagandha, but they have a higher, you know, if you just take 10 people with ashwagandha, with um, 10 people with autoimmune disease, there's going to be a higher likelihood that you know, more of those 10 people are going to have a reaction, a poor reaction to it than 10 people without an autoimmune condition. And that's really what Dr. B is talking about there. So you have to be careful, you know, if you react poorly to nightshades, if you've, you know, you eat tomatoes and it flares up your eczema, right? It, um, you know, flares up your joints, things like that, then there's a much higher likelihood you're not going to do good with ashwagandha. So it'd be better to to avoid that. And again, you can use other GABA agonists like chamomile, things like that, that can help help support you. Um, you know, and there's other other adaptogens. Reishi mushroom oftentimes can be a really, really good one that some people with autoimmunity great do great with. So that's a good one to look at. Um, but in general, the nice thing about ashwagandha compared to GABA, and again, like Dr. B said, GABA is great. And I know a lot of people that they swear by GABA, 
right? My wife likes to take it at night. She feels like it helps her sleep better. It's great, right? So that's that's kind of the goal there. If you're feeling like you've got a lot of anxiety, racing thoughts, oftentimes GABA acts quickly in your system. Mm -hmm. You can take it with or without food. Um, so it, it acts very quickly in your system to help calm you down. The nice thing about the herbs is they have more than just kind of a calming effect. So they also are antioxidants. They're also immune modulators, so they can help balance the immune system. Um, they also are anti-inflammatories, so they can help reduce inflammation in the body. I know a lot of people with thyroid issues do really well with ashwagandha, for example. A lot of people, uh, you know, there's research out there showing ashwagandha helping improve T4 to T3 conversion and um, reduce inflammation around the thyroid. So um, and again, not, not across the board because there's some people that are going to respond poorly to it because it's a nightshade, but overall it has a lot of systemic effects, whereas GABA is going to have more localized effects in the brain, just calming down the brain. And so, you know, you're looking at kind of both of those things and, and just playing around to see which of those is going to benefit you at, you know, a specific time. Some people don't notice any, any response to GABA. And one of the reasons for that is. GABA is a large molecule, and if you have a very strong and intact blood-brain barrier, taking supplemental GABA shouldn't actually get across that blood-brain barrier. However, if you are dealing with anxiety, with hyperactivity, things like that, you probably have, uh, you know, you probably have some permeability. Um, some uh, just greater permeability in that blood-brain barrier, and then therefore the GABA is going to cross, and you're going to have the effect. So again, some people don't notice much change with GABA; they don't notice much change with ashwagandha. So you kind of have to experiment and see what you feel best with, and, and the proper dosage. Right? We always recommend starting small and then working up, because if you start small and you have a poor reaction, it's it's going to be much more milder than if you started with a large dose and you had a poor reaction. So always good things to experiment with. And, um, you know, that's, that's really part of mastering your own health. Yeah. And one last thought, and I'm, I'm glad you talked about the dosage. Um, the other advantage of, if you need for stress relief, ashwagandha, you can take it for a period of time, you know, maybe twice a day, 500 milligrams to help you cope. If you're mm. going through a really stressful situation or, or you just went through a really stressful event that is going to take a little longer to, um, you know, clear ashawanda is a really good um, way of helping you deal with that stress. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And one one other thing I wanted to touch on is going back to the brain. We talked about excitatory and inhibitory neurotransmitters, and glutamate is one of the main excitatory neurotransmitters. So that's kind of like the gas, and GABA is like the brakes. So we're trying to you know drive our car, and we're hitting the gas, we're hitting the brakes, and we need a good balance between the two. And a lot of people when they get uh, inflammation, so when they have neuroinflammation, they end up with high amounts of GABA, high excitatory activity and low levels of GABA, or just really an imbalance between the two, not enough GABA to balance out the amount of glutamate. And that's where they get a lot of this excitation, right? And so that's key. And so now we look at this, there's a couple things, just natural compounds too, that really help. Uh, vitamin B6 and magnesium, as well as zinc are all very important for the conversion because GABA is actually made from the same compounds as, as glutamate. <clears throat> and, um, in order to have the proper conversion, there's a there's an enzyme, glutamate decarboxylase enzyme, 
And we need vitamin B6, magnesium, and zinc on board in order to properly convert glutamate into GABA so we have the proper balance. So if somebody's very deficient in magnesium, which we see so commonly, zinc, very common, and vitamin B6 is not talked about as much as magnesium and zinc, but a lot of people are very deficient on vitamin B6 as well. Um, you know, we might have problems with that conversion. So kind of going upstream, get to the root cause. We want to make sure we've got those key nutrients on board as well. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next question. This question comes from Sylvia on YouTube. She asks, what causes low cortisol and low DHEA? Mm, yeah. So low cortisol, you know, cortisol is what, what's called a glucocorticoid hormone. And so what happens is it's released from the adrenal cortex and it signals the body to increase blood sugar. And so we have all this stored sugar inside of our liver, our muscles. And so we liberate that and we create higher blood glucose. And the reason why we do that is when our body's under stress, uh, the way our physiology responds is it doesn't know that that stress, it might just be emotional stress, but it says, you know what? I need higher blood glucose because I might need to run. I need fight or flight. So I need to be able to run or fight for my life. So I need quick energy, anaerobic energy, quick energy source that I can use without the presence of oxygen. That's glucose. So it elevates the blood sugar. When somebody has low cortisol, okay, typically that's a sign. Now, there certainly could be you know, they're, they're a disease of the adrenal glands uh, that can cause it. But typically what we're thinking about there, particularly low cortisol, low DHEA, is that we're kind of in a state of adrenal exhaustion. So in the early stages, the alarm stages of stress, cortisol goes up. So we normally have higher cortisol. DHEA is no change. Um, you know, it kind of stays around the same. And then, you know, over time, DHEA will lower and then finally cortisol will plummet, right? And that's the adrenal exhaustion stage. So we think about it almost like a bell curve right? Cortisol goes up. And then finally, if the stress is not mitigated, normally we have stress and then we get back into homeostasis and balance and our body recovers. If that chronic stress is not mitigated, finally, that, that cortisol is going to plummet and our body's not going to respond to it. Now, the old kind of model for adrenal fatigue, uh, there's a lot of debate about it. And so for a lot of people, they are producing enough cortisol. <clears throat> They're just not responding as well to it. They're, the receptor is almost like an insulin uh, resistance kind of thing, more of like a cortisol resistance. But basically, we 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 look at this and we, we call this condition HPA dysfunction, meaning hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. The brain, parts of the brain that communicate with the adrenals to respond to the stress are are not working the way that they should, right? The communication process is is off. Normally, there's you know the the adrenals are are functioning okay. Um, they're just not getting the right messages from the brain. And so when we look at that, we have to say, okay, if somebody's got very low cortisol, low DHEA, most likely they've been under stress for a long period of time, and that could be a mental emotional stress like trauma. Could also be chemical stressors like living in a house of with mold. And mycotoxins, you're breathing in mycotoxins all the time while you're at your house, and that's overwhelming your system. It could be coming from leaky gut or from infections inside your system, whether they're bacterial, viral, parasitic infections. Um, <clears throat> it could be coming from you know physical trauma that you've had. Uh, there's a number of different things, concussions, for example. Um, there's a number of different things that can lead to a condition like that. But again, you know, based off of that lab result, I would be thinking this person would be very, very fatigued. They are not feeling good. They're not 
really enjoying their life. They may have mental health issues. Um, there's a lot going on there. And the first step is getting to the root cause. What is actually causing this chronic stress? Great. And so there are many causes. And, you know, when I see low cortisol and low DHA, I one thing I think is inflammation. That's another word for stress, really, for the body's uh, feeling some stress. And inflammation, like you mentioned, can come from many places. It can come, people think, oh, right away, emotional stress, um, you know, stress at work. And yeah, that is part of it. But many times, like you mentioned, it could be chemical, it could be an infection. And it also, one thing that many times people don't uh, take it seriously is not regulating their blood sugar. Mm. And blood sugar dysregulation can really, really stress the body and produce a lot of inflammation everywhere in your body. And, and of course, you know, it will stress you and it will stress the adrenal glands because when, like you mentioned, you know, when you're stressed, you need, your body feels, okay, I need to give more energy. So it releases that glucose to get you to run and do the things that you have to do and think fast and so forth. And when you either you're constantly going like a roller coaster with your blood sugar. You're just stressing your adrenal glands like crazy and it will bring them down. And then you will have, like you mentioned, a lot of people suffer from anxiety. They're not able to quiet down their thoughts there. It can make, it will be difficult to make decisions and so forth. So it's really important that you look at everything and I call it a bucket. You know, you have a bucket and at the beginning, maybe you have this much because, you know, you're born with certain genes and maybe a little bit of the environment. But as time progresses, your bucket starts filling. And if you don't have a healthy lifestyle that will you have a, an, um, a good diet, exercise, sleep, you know, if you're not sleeping, you will definitely cause disaffect on your adrenals. Sleep, uh, have community, uh, see the sun, breathe fresh air, all of these things will help you stay healthy. And, you know, the funny thing is those little things, we don't think much of them. Mm. And those little things <clears throat> are so powerful for our body. So again, you know, when you're thinking low cortisol, DHA, start thinking, what is up? What am I doing too much that I shouldn't do? Or what I'm not doing? Or what is blocking the the normal um, function of, of me? It could be Go through your stress or your emotional stressors, go to your lifestyle stressors and things that you cannot control, you know. And so that's another thing. There are things that you cannot control and everything contributes to that bucket. And if you want to correct that, a best way to do is look back what is going on. So, yeah, I think that's so important for sure. You know, really getting to the root cause. <clears throat> and there's people that can help you like you for you. You may feel like, oh, I don't even know what, what to do. I can't even, you know, especially if you've got low cortisol, low DHA, you probably have a lot of brain fog, maybe tough to put it all together. That's where it's great to reach out to somebody like Dr. Yvonne, you know, just Dr. Yvonne at drjockers.com. And she can help navigate this process with you as your health coach and uh, really get to the root cause, address the root cause, and then put you on a healing protocol to really support your body's natural state of healing and uh, get back in balance. So. Yeah, really important. You know, if you're dealing with that, that is a, you know, we consider that more of a later stage condition in functional health, right? That's that's means that issues have been going on for a long time, and your body is in a, you know, it's it's 
<clears throat> it's definitely in a crisis mode. So time to start getting that addressed. Yeah, and that's right. And, you know, unfortunately, the last three years, the whole world has been under a lot of yeah. stress. So it is good to, if you start, if you're starting to feel like it, if you're not dealing well with stress, this is the time to be proactive and be looking at your lifestyle and your diet and so forth so that this won't happen to you. And if you're already in this situation, like Dr. Jocker said, come to us, we can help you navigate this and figure out what needs to be corrected. I just want to interrupt this podcast to tell you about the importance of vitamin C. We know vitamin C is a critical immune boosting nutrient that most people are deficient in. But did you know that vitamin C is also a very important nutrient for anti-aging? You see, vitamin C is the glue that holds collagen together in your body. Collagen is what makes up your skin, your hair, your nails, your gut lining. If your collagen is weak because you're deficient in vitamin C, then you're going to end up with saggy skin. You're going to end up with more cellulite. You're going to end up with a weak immune system. You're going to end up with age spots on your skin. You're going to end up with more inflammation in your body from leaky gut. And so vitamin C is really critical. But here's the thing. Not all vitamin C supplements are created equal. Most of them are not very bioavailable and they simply pass through your digestive system, creating expensive urine. However, our friends over at Purality Health have a patented formula that I'm really excited about, and it utilizes something called micell liposomal technology, which delivers the nutrients into your bloodstream, and it's proven to be 800% more efficient at delivering these nutrients than your standard supplements. So if your skin is looking older than you, and the appearance of fine lines, wrinkles, age spots, sagging skin, and otherwise old-looking skin frustrates you, then give Purality Health's MyCell Liposomal Vitamin C a try. It's backed by a 180-day money-back guarantee, so you really have nothing to lose. You can get your money back if for some reason it doesn't work for you. And today, we have a 30% off coupon just for you. Just visit PurityHealth.com and use the coupon DRJ to access 30% off your purchase today. Again, 180-day money-back guarantee. Just go to PurityHealth.com. Use the coupon code DRJ, just all one word, DRJ, to access 30% off your purchase today. Okay, this is Donna on Instagram. I was looking at infrared sauna blankets and my doctor wanted me to get to the portable tent instead because my head would also be enclosed. Do you think it is necessary to have the head enclosed to get the benefits? That's a great question. So there's a number of different types of saunas, right? There's kind of the wooden, <clears throat> you know, you have steam saunas, infrared saunas, a lot of different types. And then you've got, in, in this case, she's looking at infrared saunas and infrared is a you know, wavelength that you don't actually see, but it's a heating wavelength. And it's, it's, you know, obviously comes from the sun and it's very anti-inflammatory for your body. And then of course the sauna process, heating it up helps you sweat, right? We know sweat is a great carrier, great way to, to re re release toxins. And also the heat activates something called heat shock proteins within your body that break down damaged cells. Um, you know, in a sense, they help stimulate auto autophagy as well as apoptosis with damaged, sick, and diseased cells in your body. So you, you get rid of a lot of the, 
the the damaged cells as well as toxins in your system and flush those out. So I think sauna is a phenomenal therapy. I recommend it. Anybody that's able to uh, afford it, uh, I would highly recommend getting some sort of a sauna. And there's a bunch of different types. You know, the wooden saunas are going to cost more than the tent-like structures, the tent saunas, and then there's sauna blankets as well. I know there's a company Higher Dose that I like that makes a sauna blanket. Typically with the tents, you actually have your head out as well as the blankets. They mm. kind of work the same. Whereas in the in the wooden box, <clears throat> you are your whole body is in it. Now, the question she asked is, am I going to get the same benefits if my head is in the sauna versus if my head's not in the sauna? And really, for the most part, you do because you're not really getting any extra benefits by just having your head in the sauna and it may fatigue you more. So you may not be able to, to actually get the heat up as much or stay in it as long. Um, I know I have a wooden box sauna and yeah, I'm like sweating buckets from my head. And, um, you know, sometimes it's like, wow, I need to get out, even though I've only been in there 15 minutes and I wanted to do 20 minutes just because I feel like I'm overheated. And I think a lot of that's coming from my brain, right? My brain feeling the heat as opposed to my body. My body can tolerate more than my brain. And that's really what what uh, researchers have found. And that's one of the benefits of being in like a sauna blanket or a, um, a sauna tent is they're lower cost. They're portable. They are easier to store. Like, you know, for example, the, it's nice if you have a big house or a big space. Um, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to have kind of the wooden really beautiful sauna, but not everybody does. A lot of people are in apartments, uh, smaller homes. They just don't have the space for it. It's a lot easier to have the tent or the blanket that you can fold up afterwards. And they're also lower cost. <clears throat> and so really, honestly, like the blanket and the, and the tent are actually better value, I think. But, you know, if you're able to afford it, you got the space. It is nice. It's a nice luxury to have, you know, a, a larger kind of wooden box sauna to be in. So that's that's my take on it. But whatever works for you get in one of these things and get in on a regular basis. Um, you know, again, the nice thing too about um, having your head out is like you can watch TV or, um, you know, you can, if you set up a book on like a little book stand, you can read a book, right? Do something like that. You don't have access to your hands, so you can't actually hold it. But uh, but you can be doing other things while you're, you know, sitting in the sauna. Of course, you know, if you're in a box sauna, you can read a book <clears throat> that way as well. But uh, a lot of people like to, you know, uh, be able to do different things while they're in the tent or the uh, the blanket sauna. So I think it's a really great option. That's wonderful. And then just as a <clears throat> reminder, whenever you're using a sauna in general, any kind of sauna, make sure that you hydrate, mm -hmm. hydrate, hydrate, hydrate before you get in. Because Number one, if you don't hydrate, you may faint or get dizzy by the time you get mm -hmm. out. And so you don't want that to happen. And also by drinking a lot of water will facilitate that sweating and that detoxifying action in your body. So make sure that you drink plenty of water before you start the sauna and after. And also don't be gung-ho and go, oh, I'm going to do, you know, right away this many minutes and start slowly mm -hmm. and see how you react. Because a lot of people don't do very well when they start. And they, of course, they may feel more fatigue and then later get dizzy and so forth. So just start slowly and pay attention to your body, what your body's telling you. When you start uh, doing saunas and you know your body very well and you're hydrated and, and all of this, it is it feels so good. 
you know, you start feeling the benefits. And so, yeah, I encourage you that if you don't have a sauna or you cannot afford a sauna and you are attend, you know, you know, a gym, that is also an option. Go to a gym. You know, fortunately, right now, many gyms are open and do, they do have a sauna. And so try that. Yeah. And, and another tip with sauna, too, is take a really good binder roughly about oh, 30 yes. minutes before you go in. So like as you're heating it up. Um, take a, and that's, that's another thing about the box on is, is that they actually take a while to heat up. Like we, we turn ours on an hour before we get in. Um, so it's hard to do first thing in the morning. We usually do it when we put our kids down, we'll turn it on like while we're kind of in the process, right before we start getting them ready for bed. And then it'll be ready, you know, shortly after we, we get them in bed. That's why my wife and I will do it. But, um, yeah. And so take a binder roughly, roughly 30 minutes before, if you forget, you can take it right after as well. Um, nothing wrong with that, but the idea is that if you take it 30 minutes before it kind of gets into your system and as your bile ducts open, which happens, the infrared itself. So the infrared penetrates your body, gets into the liver, opens the bile ducts and you start releasing toxins that way. And you're also sweating and, and your fat cells are vibrating and they're kind of releasing different toxic elements. And those things are all coming through the portal vein. So anything that's getting in the blood goes through the portal vein up into the liver and then into the intestines. And so if the binder, charcoal, zeolite, uh, fulvic, humic acids, these are all you know different types of binders, clays, uh, whatever it is that you're taking, if that's sitting there in the gut at the time as your body's releasing these toxins, it's going to help gra- grab them, bind them, and help kind of sweep them out. So charcoal is a really good one for that. It's a really low-cost binder. You can also get combination binders. Like we have one called GI Detox. Um, that's really good. GI gastrointestinal, right? So it's got a whole bunch of different binder types in it. Um, really good for pulling toxins out of the gut. And then we also have systemic binders as well. Um, those are typically what I'll recommend after. Like, so if you forgot, um, it's probably a little bit better to take a systemic binder, although you'll still get a lot of benefit from taking charcoal if that's all you have. But taking something like uh, like a fulvic humic acid combination, we've got several bioactive carbon biotox and Metchem, which are good for uh, uh, pesticides, herbicides, pulling out heavy metals, right? Aldehydes, molds, things like that, that, you know, surprisingly are all in our systems. And, uh, you know, we need to be getting rid of these things. And so um, sauna is a great part of a detoxification lifestyle and taking it with binders will really help. Just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about Peak Tea. These are amazing teas that are specifically designed to enhance the benefits of fasting, helping you get deeper levels of autophagy and cellular healing, helping to shut down your appetite and support healthy weight management. They're delicious. They won't break your your fast. They use the highest quality uh, cold brew crystallization that gently preserves active compounds at their maximum potential with no prep or brewing needed. They're 100% organic and triple toxin screened for pesticides, heavy metals, and toxic mold, which is really common in tea. A lot of teas have heavy metals. They've got pesticides, they've got molds, not with peak tea. It's the highest possible purity. And that's why I love it. This is why my family and I drink this regularly. We really love the bergamot fasting tea. We know that bergamot is loaded with theoflavins to nourish your gut bacteria, support digestion, and boost satiety. And great, it's really great for energy. 
And bergamot itself is great for, for your skin. It has a flavorful burst of citrus and it's oils enhanced digestion. They provide unique mood boosting properties. You're gonna love that. They also have the ginger green fasting tea. We know ginger is great for your digestion, great for keeping inflammation under control. We know the catechins in green tea are some of those powerful immune supportive compounds that you can put in your body. Also really great for stimulating autophagy, downregulating inflammation in the body. So really, really powerful stuff there. And then you've got cinnamon herbal fasting tea, which is amazing for supporting balanced blood sugar and helping manage cravings. I love the cinnamon herbal fasting tea, really great flavor to that. And guys, Peak is extending a limited time offer just for my audience. You can get 5% off plus a free pouch that comes with 20 premium samples. So you can try different flavors when you purchase the fasting bundle. Head over to peaklife.com forward slash drjockers and use the code Dr. Jockers or D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S for a special discount. Guys, Peak has over 15,000 15, five-star reviews. That's a lot of reviews. This has been well-tested. Try it for yourself risk-free with their 30-day satisfaction guarantee, and you'll either love it or you get your money back. So that's peaklife.com, spelled P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S and use the coupon code Dr. Jockers for a complimentary gift and 5% off. Okay, so let's go to the next question. Katina on the website on the website says, I often wake after four hours of sleep and can stay awake for up to three hours or four. Hmm. Then I go back to sleep for another three hours. Would you be able to advise me on how unhealthy this pattern? Well, I guess she's asking, why is she having this unhealthy pattern? And I'm guessing that she would like to know how to correct it. Yeah. So she's falling asleep for four hours and then she'll wake up and she's up for like three hours or so. And so and then she sleeps for another three hours. So, oh my goodness, yeah. that is rough. So she's in bed for, you know, 11 hours to try to get yeah. seven hours of sleep basically, or seven or eight hours. And so and I, I, I'm sure she probably doesn't feel refreshed. No, either. no, you're right. No. Yeah. yeah. And so this is definitely a, not a good problem, not a good issue. Right. And so, you know, right off the bat, you know, I, I started thinking about sleep hygiene, just making sure your, your sleep hygiene is good. So, I, you know, it's like I was always amazed when I would be talking to clients, uh, you know, years ago in my clinic. And I found out that so many people fall asleep with the, their TV on, right? So it's like they've got their TV on in their bedroom and they're, they, you know, lights are off, but they fall asleep because, you know, they're enjoying watching a show or whatever and they get tired. So if that's on, that's not going to set you up for good sleep. You want to make sure as much light is removed from your bedroom. You want to have a sleep mask on so that covers your eyes. You want to have your room cool. If you have a fan, like an overhead fan, that's great to have that on. Or even like a side fan that can be blowing on you, that, that oftentimes helps with sleep. Some people are very noise sensitive. So having a sound machine or something along those lines can be really, really helpful. Um, not eating right before you go to bed right? So not, at least not a, a very large meal um, can be really, really helpful here because that can definitely cause reflux and things like that that can wake you up at night. Not drinking a lot before you go to bed also a uh, really good idea. So that way, you know, you're not having to urinate all night long. So these are just kind of good general hygiene principles that you want to make sure you have on. Now, a lot of people will get up, they'll go to the bathroom and they'll have like a nightlight or something along those lines. 
And ideally that that's another thing, any sort of light, like even if you're just getting up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, any sort of light is going to blunt your melatonin release and it's going to release more cortisol, right? More of your awakening right. hormones. And so right. ideally in the, you know, this, I'm, I'm talking out of the ideals, you kind of have memorized your pathway to your bathroom and you've made sure before you go to sleep that that pathway is clear, right? There's nothing that could trip you. And you're kind of able to just navigate as you kind of move your hand along your wall or whatever it is. So you don't have to turn on any lights or have a nightlight or anything like that, that you might need uh, to get to the bathroom and go to the bathroom. So those things, let's make sure we've got those things covered right off the bat. And then when people are waking up like that, a couple of things that I usually think, uh, usually it's going to be related to potential reflux, right? Or sleep apnea. So that's something we've got to look at and address. Sometimes people are not breathing, um, you know, effectively while they're while they're sleeping, or they have reflux. So one way that you can try to kind of work around that, like without getting a sleep test, is actually just kind of elevating, like putting a couple pillows, or if you have a bed that you can that has like a setting where you can elevate your torso and your head, that can really help, right? Just kind of being at an angle like a 60 degree angle rather than, you know, all the way down, you know, 90 degrees uh, or 180 degrees, I guess. So you kind of bring it up a little bit. Um, that can help with sleep apnea. That can help with reflux. So you can see if you notice an uh, improvement, if you do that. So that's one thing. Another thing is blood sugar imbalances, hypoglycemia at night. So you want to look at your blood sugar and you can get a continuous blood glucose monitor is a really simple thing that you kind of put on the back of your arm, right? And you can ask your doctor about it. Um, there's different companies like Levels Health that offer this, and you can actually track your blood sugar throughout the day and then also at night. And if you're somebody that has issues with hypoglycemia, we got to look at what we're doing, you know, with our dinner, really all of our meals throughout the day to try to support that. So that's another thing. And then the third big thing I see is parasites, particularly if you're noticing that it gets worse around the full moon. For some people, they notice that they really sleep poorly around the full moon, even though they've got, you know, blackout shades and they're, they're like everything's dark in their house, but around full moon time, they're not sleeping as well. And that's usually related to activated parasites because when the full moon is out, there is less, your body's going to produce less melatonin and it produces more serotonin. Well, basically serotonin is a precursor to melatonin. So serotonin doesn't convert as much into melatonin and the parasites actually have serotonin receptors. So the more serotonin in the system and they're nocturnal, they get more active at night. So the more serotonin in their system at night, the more active they become and that can drive up more inflammation and basically create an alarm state where cortisol and your stress hormones go up and uh, can wake you up at night. So those are three big things that I'll often see. There can also be other issues, magnesium deficiencies, uh, which oftentimes go hand in hand with the blood sugar imbalances. So these are things that we really need to look at and try to address. Right. So um, may I add on the hygiene, um, also stress management. Hmm. Stress management during the day is so very important. And it's also good to have boundaries. Say, for example, my boundary is, and I'm saying, you know, any your boundary may be, okay, after seven o'clock, I'm not talking about anything stressful. So that you start relaxing and unwinding. Um, if so many people continue talking about their stressful day until they go to bed. So when they hit the pillow, their mind is still, you know, 
thinking and solving problems. And so that is not a good idea. So look at your day, see how you can manage your stress better. Okay. So that's a, another thing. The other thing, a lot of people have monkey minds and they go to bed and it automatically is like, okay, now you're by yourself. Nobody's saying anything. It's you and your mind. And so you lay down and then. So what I like to ask people, my clients to do is take a notepad. And in this case, I see that she is able to sleep, but she wakes up in the middle of the mm -hmm. night. It may be that um, she's, you know, all the things that you mentioned, but also it may be that when those things cause her to wake up, her mind is starting up. So now she's staying up many, many hours. So it would be a good idea to also create a boundary in your brain and say, okay, when I wake up, I'm not going to think about anything. And, and, or think of something like, I don't know if you are a believer, maybe you can recite a verse or uh, sing a song or a hymn or, you know, like, or tell yourself things like, you know, I'm, I'm going to sleep well, is whatever you're telling your mind is what you're going to believe, your body's going to believe. So that's another thing. And another thing, a lot of people can take a notepad and say, okay, they're not able to sleep because they feel they're going to forget. And so they're thinking and thinking. So take a notepad and write down what you need to remember uh, for the next day. And you can put it uh, by your bedside and before you go to bed you can write down the things that went well that day and uh and the things that you still need to work and leave your notepad there in case you wake up in the middle of, of the night thinking of something that you don't want to forget so that's very important then the other thing also related to sleep hygiene is to have a routine and we think of routines for babies and children right but we don't think of routines for us and a routine is good because we we are we're able to have a, a good circadian rhythm. You know, our body is synchronized with the earth, how the earth moves and the sun rises and so forth. And that is how we operate. That's how we were designed to function. And many times because we can stay up late at night or we can wake up, you know, early, what have you, we disturb that natural circadian rhythm, and then we get in trouble, and then we want to go back to our normal sleep, but that we made a lot of, um, you know, we disturb our, our regular circadian rhythm, so it's really hard. So again, a good routine would be getting up at the same time. If you have issues with sleep, this is even more important to get up at the same time and go to bed at the same time. Hmm. And uh create your own boundaries. I'm going to not have stressful talk around this time so that my mind can calm down. And um, the other thing, like Dr. Jocker said, a lot of times people don't think that blood sugar is going to affect them at night. So if they have a, if they don't regulate their blood sugar properly, they're going to wake up in the middle of the night. So if you are eating either way, if you're spiking your blood sugar or letting it go down, you need to be aware that is that is not going to result in good sleep. So please look at your diet. Make sure that you are not um, not starving yourself or eating too much or so forth. And a good way of knowing what the issue is, say, for example, you have a meal and after a meal you feel tired. That probably means that you, you have too much to eat. You have too much to eat and you you're spiking your blood sugar now. Normally, when you eat 
you shouldn't feel anything other than hunger has gone. And if you feel when you eat and, and you feel like energized, now your mind is brighter, then that means you're being hypoglycemic. You're not you know, nourishing your body, the calories that, the, the, that you need and the, the micronutrients that you need. So those are things to consider, even to have a good quality sleep. That is so very important. And let's see, another, and like you said, Dr. Jockers, inflammation, we're back to inflammation. So anything that inflames your body will affect your sleep. So go back and see what could possibly be inflaming you. Dr. Jockers mentioned, you know, parasites and um, all of these things. And then you can also have brain inflammation for X, Y, and Z reasons that you need to be looking at. So, um, and again, a typical thing that happens with a lot of people, they may have food allergies and that may result in brain inflammation as an example. So they, it may disturb their sleep. So if you feel that is an issue, I would recommend to, you know, eliminating gluten and sugar for sure and see if your sleep gets better. Um, so those are the things that I'm thinking about that you have not yeah. mentioned. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think that's all really good. And so with when it comes to your meals, I always recommend making sure you're getting at least 30 grams of protein in your meals. Okay. So at least 30 grams of protein, ideally at least 20 to 30 grams of fat, depending on how well you digest fat, if you have a gallbladder, things like that. Um, and that, if you focus on that, getting enough protein and enough healthy fat in your meal, and you can of course have lots of colorful fruits and vegetables and stuff as well. But if you do that, if you get you hit your protein and your, your fats, you get that right and dialed in, then that should help stabilize your blood sugar throughout the meat throughout the day, right? As long as you're not, again, not eating things that you're really sensitive to or a lot of ultra processed foods, because those are tend to be very, very high glycemic and cause a major insulin spike. So if you're eating real foods, focusing on getting your protein 30 grams or more in a meal, healthy fats, 20 to 30 gram range, then that should create satiety, more blood sugar balance. Um, and that should help you support you uh, throughout the night. Um, also taking some supplemental magnesium can be really helpful. I see that for a lot of people when they are having sleep issues, taking some magnesium, even if they take it during the day, just really optimizing their overall magnesium level uh, will, will translate into better sleep at night. So really good strategy there. And then one last thing, you know, for a lot of people, they almost create this pattern where it's like they wake up after, you know, falling asleep, let's say four hours or whatever. And then they think in their head, you know, sometimes it's like, a, it's almost psychosomatic because they're like, oh, I'm not going to be able to fall back asleep. And so they get up and they get on their computer, or watch a show on TV or read a book, you know, with light on or something like that. And that is, is certainly not, it's certainly just going to, to create this whole vicious cycle again. And that can be really problematic. I'm also a huge fan of blue light blocking glasses. So at night before you go to bed, put on some blue light blocking glasses, dim all the lights in your house. You know, I didn't talk about that with sleep hygiene, but that can be really, really helpful. And um, if for some reason you get up and you have to turn on the light, make sure you get those blue light blocking glasses on before it goes on. That's going to help limit the amount of melatonin inhibition that takes place and the amount of cortisol release. Um that takes place when you do turn that light on. So just all really key strategies that you really need to be aware of to dial in that sleep. Dialing in that sleep is going to really make a big difference in your quality of life. So important. Absolutely. And another thing that you make me think about EMFs. EMFs yeah. can really disturb mm. sleep. 
So don't charge your phone by your bed. Right. And um, the other thing, if you're some people are sensitive, very sensitive and turning on that router at night is very helpful. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, you can even turn off your whole power panel. Right. Some people will do that. They'll turn off like all the power in their bedroom, for example, because they don't necessarily need it. You know, and they'll wake up with the sunrise or whatever it is. Um, so unless you really need it for an alarm clock or something, uh, it doesn't sound like you're 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 doing that. So, um, you know, you may just be able to shut the power off, you know, at your breaker for your room. And some people swear that they sleep so much better when, uh, yes. when they do that. All right. Yes, la- let's do our last question here. Okay, let's see which one are we going to pick. Well, something related. I, I like to pick this one because it's related to sleep. Uh, my four-year-old, this is from Chris on Facebook. It says, my four-year-old is having issues winding down at night. Bedtime drags out, and he will usually wake up around 3 a.m. every night. Do you have any recommendations mm. on sleep aid? Yeah. So I know that's really unfortunate. And so a couple things, you know, off the bat. So with, with a child, you got, you got, we have to consider food sensitivities and food allergies. Mm-hmm. If he's eating gluten, if he's eating ultra processed foods, things like that, that can cause blood sugar imbalances can cause gut inflammation, you know, going back to all the things we talked about. So inflammation, parasites, all these things really need to be addressed. And, um, you know, a lot of times, again, with kids, we, I talked about magnesium. A lot of them are very deficient in magnesium. So getting some good magnesium on board can really help support better sleep. Of course, making sure that, you know, the sleep hygiene is good. The room is dark. Um, you know, there's not like a big nightlight that he can stare at because, of course, that's going to reduce the melatonin release. So I think that's really, really key, really important. Um, but going back to all the things we talked about, I mean, all the things, same things really can apply to a child. It's very rare that they have sleep apnea. So I, I, I probably rule that out. But other than that, blood sugar imbalances, parasites, mold in the house, you know, that can be driving up inflammation. Um, perhaps that child, you know, you know, I'm just just giving out, you know, different things, but maybe they watch their parents fight, you know, or something like that. And it's kind of causing more stress. And so um, all those things really need to be looked at and addressed. And sometimes it can be tough to understand what it is yourself. And that's where working with a functional health practitioner, somebody like Dr. Yvonne can really help with that um, and just help you understand what's actually happening in your child. Run labs that uh, can look at key biomarkers that may indicate that if this child has gut dysbiosis, blood sugar dysregulation, different, different issues like that. Yeah. And I thought of asking this question because, you know, we got to start early to have a good, healthy lifestyle so our children can grow up to be healthy. And uh, it is concerning to see a child not being able to sleep. And many times you hear practitioners, oh, you know, you'll sleep like a baby or like a, a child. And you're and when you see a child not sleeping like a baby, then there's some concern. And so it is good to address it right away. And again, it can be a number of things. And I think it was really good to have her, Dr. Jockers and I go over all the possibilities so that you can take care of your four-year-old and then they can sleep and be able to go to school later on and have a, you know, be all that they can be as far as being children and learning and running and jumping. 
And so, yeah, and of course, you know, um, one thing that we didn't mention because this are this is a child is just make sure that that your child is not on um, the screen for hours with mm. no end. Yeah. So children do need to run. They need to be need to be exposed to the sun. Yeah. That is so important. And so just make sure that they have, you know, over the last few decades, the way children grow is so different than than before. And so that can affect um, not be able to play with dirt and stones, you know, and those are really helpful to keep us grounded. And and so, yeah, look at your what you're doing during the day with your child and see what you can improve. And and if nothing happened, come and see us. We can help you navigate this and help you find out what you need to change or add uh, so that you, your child can sleep and have a healthy, a healthy life. Yeah, that's these are great questions. And I know we had one more question on f- fat burning and weight loss plateaus. We'll have to save that for our next Q&A. But uh, guys, keep the questions coming. We love answering and addressing these. Hopefully this really helped you guys with uh, some of the key things that have been on your mind and gave you more greater depth, greater depth of knowledge on a lot of these topics. And that's really our goal here. Thanks again for being a part of our community. Guys, you can can reach Dr. Yvonne. You can email her at Dr. Yvonne, I-V-O-N-N-E at drjockers.com. So it's D-R-I-V-O-N-N-E at drjockers.com. So if you have... You know, questions you want to work with her as far as a coach, um, just reach out to her. She'd be happy to help. And we will see you guys on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.